the first person to survive Alzheimer's disease is out there, and the Alzheimer's Association is going to make it happen. But we won't get there without you. Visit ALZ.org to join the fight. Hey, everybody, and welcome to the Fantasy Football Addicts podcast. We are finally in the middle of football season. Week one is in the books, and oh, it feels so amazing to have football back in my life. Well, week one's in the process of being in the books, of course. We always, uh, we always as, uh, as history dictates, record during Monday night football, so we don't have it all in, but it's fun. We're watching football. We're talking football. We're having a night, aren't we, Monk? You mean Monday night football? Na 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 na. Absolutely. But um, yeah, we get uh, a special treat too. We got a double header tonight. Uh, we are currently at halftime in the first game, the uh, Saints at the Vikings, and it's been a great game so far. Yeah, a lot of nice plays. Sam Bradford looking good, but we'll talk about them when we get the, to their individual teams. Um, how about uh, how about our, a word from our sponsors? Yeah, and uh, as usual, now that we are into the regular season, we will begin with our Gillette Close Shave of the Week. And this week, in Week 1, it was the start of the fourth quarter in Detroit, and the Arizona Cardinals were leading the line 17-15. Unfortunately, they didn't know that Matthew Stafford had them right where he wanted them. Stafford engineered a record-setting eight comeback wins in the fourth quarter in 2016, and the 2017 season started out no differently. In the final 10 minutes of the game, Stafford threw two perfect touchdown passes, both to rookie wide receiver Kenny Galladay. The Lions' defense dealt the Cardinals the final blow, picking off Carson Palmer for the third time that day and returning it for a touchdown en route to a 35-23 win at home. Get your close shave like Matthew Stafford with Gillette, the best a man can get. Our best blades for a few dollars a month. Fresh blades delivered to your door, no commitments. Yeah, what a play! What what a set of plays those were. Uh, Matt Stafford doing what Matt Stafford does. Kenny Galladay looking really good. First uh, first NFL career showing for the rookie. Um, you know, I just wish I I bought into the hype before our rookie draft started. That's all I have to say. Yeah, who um who owns Kenny Galladay in our dynasty league? Los, do you I remember? think I think it's this uh, this uh, expletive expletive named uh, named Mung, isn't it? Yeah, you know, I do think that's right. But uh, all right, nobody likes uh, to hear us talk about our teams. So no, no. We will move right along to the week two previews. Uh, and the first game is Thursday night football. Sure to be uh, super exciting. Houston at Cincinnati. Oh, yeah. Who who could you prefer to watch over that? Two, two stellar offenses looking really, really good at the top of their games. I think they combined for uh, four or five uh, interceptions. Um, so, so this is what's going to start us off for week two. Yeah. And, uh, you know, the, the Texans defense was getting talked up all off season as this juggernaut in the making, but it was the Jacksonville defense that dominated this past week. Uh, hopefully Houston's going to bounce back in week two against the Bengals, but man, I don't feel great about their playoff chances as of right now. Do you? No, um, not, not if they can't figure out a quarterback situation. Um, as soon as Deshaun Watson came in the game, it looked like the offense had a spark of electricity in uh, infused inside them. But then, then what happened? Yeah, I mean, he had a good first drive, but that offensive line was really struggling to pass protect. We'll see how they do against the Bengals on Thursday. 
Um, in terms of the quarterbacks, clearly Deshaun Watson is the better starter, but he also suffered an ankle injury in that loss to Jacksonville. So right now they're saying they're not sure who's going to start at quarterback on a short week. Uh, it very well could be the Tom Savage show again versus Cincinnati. And again, this offensive line is just full of holes. Uh, Lamar Miller, for me, I, I don't know how you could be more comfortable uh, you know, playing him than a flex play right now he's just a high end flex until I see more out of this Houston offense especially with Bill O'Brien saying today that Dante Foreman has earned more carries going forward um if Lamar Miller loses a few more touches this offense is is already struggling I just don't see him producing fantasy RB2 numbers consistently on the other hand DeAndre Hopkins uh, he should be a high risk high reward wide receiver too going forward Mina Kimes on Twitter actually had, uh, I think, what was the best quote on Twitter for week one, uh, which was something along the lines that DeAndre Hopkins is that really awesome friend of yours that's always single and deserves a boyfriend or girlfriend. Um, Hopefully Watson is the quarterback that DeAndre Hopkins deserves, but we will see. Um, And the final note here, all three Houston tight ends, including CJ Fedorowicz, are in the concussion protocol and oh my goodness, that was an amazing catch by Stefan Diggs down the sideline. That was absolutely incredible. Did you see that, Los? Oh my, what? I'm catching the replay right now. Wow. That's Through defensive pass That's, interference. Oh yeah. my goodness. Wow. That he's, uh, he's looking really good. Um, I, I hope some of y'all have him on your teams because uh, I don't. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> Congrats, Dan. Dan might come back and take this from you. Oh, man. Um, All right. Sorry. Back to back to Houston. We are going to talk about Stefan Diggs in a little bit when we preview Minnesota. That is for sure. Yeah. Um, Uh, Like you said, uh, DeAndre Hopkins should get a boatload of targets regardless. Um, This this game, seven catches on 16 targets for only 55 yards, but did pick up the touchdown. Not a great offense by any stretch of the imagination. They really need help Um, for right now. Week two, I do like Miller a little better than a flex, especially this week. I think he'll be uh, just fine as a running back too against the team that allowed a combined 150 yards on the ground to Terrence West and Buck Allen. Um, I wouldn't be surprised at all by a line like 20 carries, 80 yards and a touchdown. He isn't sharing significant carries with Irvin or Foreman at this point just yet, who only had four carries combined for 12 yards. But like you said, if they look to increase each of their each of their looks, which they have in the past had a bit of a committee with Blue Grimes and the like, uh, that's that's going to hurt Lamar Miller in the future. Yeah, I think I think Bill O'Brien's comments kind of scare me off Lamar Miller a little bit. Uh, you know, we saw Terrence West and, and Javorius Allen almost get equal carries in the run game. And I, I think, I, uh, excuse me, Dante Foreman could really uh, rack up a few more touches in this game. But we will certainly see. Um, but yeah, just I think the offense is going to be kind of bad in general just because they, they're, they lost all three of their tight ends. It's a short week. It's doubtful that any of them are going to play. So who do they really have outside of DeAndre Hopkins to, you know, keep defenders from stacking the box here? Yeah, it, it really sort of hinges on uh, who lines up there at quarterback, but um, doesn't, doesn't change who you're starting from a fantasy perspective, but it does certainly change 
what you're expecting from them. Um, on the Cincinnati side of the football, the home team, the Bengals looked bad against a good Baltimore defense. And I don't really think the short week is going to give them enough time to right the ship against what should be a better Houston defense. Uh, Andy Dalton, 170 yards, zero touchdowns, four interceptions all by himself. Um, AJ Green's line was pretty bad. Five catches on 10 attempts for 74 yards. I'd expect a better week for him though. Um, he's still a stud. No reason to panic just yet. Eifert, one catch, four yards on one target. Pretty surprising, given that they were in a passing situation basically the entire day. Uh, I'd still start him this week unless you have a significantly better option available, which most leagues do not. Um, there's no real other wide receivers to consider for now. Um, now, for these running backs, wow. Here's their lines. Jeremy Hill, who started your day um, as the as the starter for the Bengals, had a six carry, 26 yard line. Uh, Joe Mixon, not much better. Eight carries for nine yards. Guess what? One of those carries was for eight yards. So that means seven carries for one yard. Uh, he added three catches for 15 yards. Giovanni Bernard had the best showing seven carries for 40 yards, but one catch on two targets for 39 yards for this week. I would start Bernard in a PPR and just wait for Mixon until he shows up and is the lead dog. If you're in a pinch for roster spots, I think Hill might not be worth an own at this point. Certainly not worth a start. He's going to disappoint you versus the Houston defense. And if you really want, you can add him for free after he has another three point showing this week in Houston. Um, hold on to Mixon. Of course, he's the most talented back in the, in this team. He will likely be a high end running back too by the time that they play Cleveland, which is in a couple weeks. Yeah, just a quick side note on the game happening right now, too. I think Latavius Murray just fumbled on his first carry. So for all oh, the Dalvin Cook owners there, uh, I think you can start him safely going forward. I think it's going to be his show for the most part. Not good. Um, but yeah, in, in terms of Cincinnati, you know, I don't have a whole lot to add to what you said. Obviously, A.J. Green, you wanted a little bit more, but you'll take five for 74. That's certainly not terrible. Um And then, yeah, like, like you said with Tyler Eifert, he's still going to be involved in the red zone and I just, you know, the tight end is such a crapshoot. You want those guys who are going to get those high quality targets. Um, we will see about that. Uh, I'll take, you know, this is tough for me, but my my guess is, and it's Monday, so we don't have that much information yet, but my guess is Tom Savage starts. And in that case, I will take Cincinnati just because, you know, they, had, they lost Brian Cushing to a concussion also on the defensive side. J.J. Watt had a bad dislocated or broken finger. I just, I think Cincinnati is going to take this in an ugly, like 10 to three type of game. <laughs> Yeah, if if we do caveat bets on ugly games, um, if, if Savage is starting, I think Cincinnati takes this game. But if Deshaun Watson's there, uh, I, I do think this goes to Houston. There's not a lot of game tape on Watson and teams are not really preparing for him. They don't know what he can do in an NFL offense. And when he got on the field, that defense looked like they didn't know what to do right at the start. Now, of course, he's a rookie. And then he started throwing interceptions. Things looked ugly from there on out. But uh, like I said, if, if Watson's in, Cincinnati loses. If Savage is in, Cincinnati wins the game at home. All right, let's move I, on. I guess for the purposes of our picks, I'll just stick with Houston, though. Okay, I'll take Cincinnati. Um, All right. But let's move on to the next game here. Uh, another AFC North showdown. Uh, Cleveland gets Baltimore this week. What do you think? 
Yeah, another rookie uh, who saw game time in their first game, Deshaun Kaiser, had a nice rookie debut. Kept it pretty close versus Pittsburgh. Certainly a lot closer than anybody thought. Uh, Pittsburgh, a very popular survivor pool pick this week. Uh, we we could see a lot more difficult day in Baltimore, though. Um, but I think there's a good chance he has a bigger rushing day. Uh, he had 222 yards through the air for, with one touchdown, one interception, rushed for 15 yards uh, and a uh, no no 15 carries, 17 yards and a touchdown. Um, loosen the leash. Let this guy run. The pass plays are going to break down against a good Baltimore defense. Let him run downfield a little more. Uh, the top receiver in Cleveland was Corey Coleman, unsurprisingly, with five catches on six uh, looks for 53 yards and a touchdown. They showed a good connection in the preseason, which will hopefully continue to grow over these two young careers. Maybe give Cleveland football fans finally something to really grab onto. Um, he's just a lower end wide receiver three or flex for me in Baltimore, though. Uh, the run game was clearly handled well by Pittsburgh and looked a little bit different than expected. Isaiah Crowell, 17 carries for only 33 yards. He added two catches for 33 uh, receiving yards, oddly enough. And Duke Johnson without a carry. It looks like he's being moved to the slot or out of the backfield more permanently. To me, that doesn't really change his value. His value mostly came in those receptions. Uh, Crowell's backup is now Matthew Days. But in the event of a Crowell injury, I would expect uh, Duke to move back to running back more frequently. Don't go dropping him from your teams just yet. Yeah, I think Deshaun Kaiser looked really good in his first ever NFL game, and, and the arrow may actually be pointing up for the Browns a little bit. I know we've said that for years, but I think it might finally <laughs> be happening. Um, that said, in fantasy, he's he's a mid to low end QB2, uh, although his rushing does provide upside there. Um, and then I like what you said about Crowell. He's definitely a workhorse back now, and he should be a solid RB2 for the season despite not having great production in week one. Um, and, and I don't think he's going to do particularly well against Baltimore. That's a really good defense that they're facing this week. I would say that he's going to be a, a guy to target in terms of trade offers if that owner is souring on him by week three. Uh, maybe throw out some trade offers for Isaiah Crowell because the volume is definitely going to be there for him. Yeah, I, I like that. Uh, similarly with Corey Coleman, um, if you're in a dynasty or a league that has keeper players, um, a couple tough, couple tough matchups coming up. If those Cleveland Browns are looking really bad, I would throw so I, I would try and buy low on, on Corey Coleman. I think these two have a have a real connection. Yeah, I mean, redraft wise, like we like we discussed in that uh, overrated, underrated podcast we did a couple weeks ago in the preseason, uh, we were discussing that both Coleman and Kenny Britt were cheap in drafts and one of them is going to pay off. And it, it's looking like Corey Coleman because Kenny, yeah. Kenny Britt might not even be a starter anymore, according to their coach. Yeah, no, no significant uh, time for Kenny Britt or looks this game. All right, what about the uh, Ravens side here? Sure, Baltimore should uh, be able to go up 2-0 and in the AFC North this week after giving the Bengals much more than they could handle. Uh, Flacco's a lower-end quarterback, too, for me, with some upside. I expect a clock control offense here. Uh, but that said, given the Cleveland secondary struggles against Antonio Brown, any of these wide receivers could break out this week. Similar to week one, none of the receivers had high reception numbers but did break some long gains. Uh, Jeremy Macklin, two catches only but 56 yards and a touchdown. Um, Wallace, one catch, eight yards. Macklin is a wide receiver, three or flex. Perriman, only one catch for five yards. Very uninspiring numbers. Uh, I take Macklin if I have to. Um, big loss. 
though not unexpected, however, with uh, Woodhead incurring a leg injury in the middle of the game. And we saw a backfield split of, t- of uh, Terrence West, 19 carries, 80 yards, and a touchdown. And Buck Allen, 21 carries for 71 yards. I think either of them will have fl- a flex-worthy workload this game, and a- both are worth a start here if you're really in a bind in a flex, um, like a David Johnson owner or a, or a Woodhead himself owner specifically. Uh, the Cleveland defense had success against the Pittsburgh run game, but I really don't expect that to continue. That seemed on the flukier end to me. Uh, Cleveland did allow two tight, end, uh, two tight end touchdowns versus Pittsburgh. But again, I'm not confident enough right now in either Max Williams or Nick Boyle uh, to select either of them in this season. If you're if you're a team that's streaming tight ends, waited till to be the last team to take a tight end, which I love that as a strategy. I did that in two uh, two leagues of mine where you just don't buy in and buy uh, buy spend highly on a tight end and just sort of stream against terrible defenses. Uh, worked really well for me with Jason Witten this week. Yeah, there's there's a lot to dissect here. I think part of the reason that the Pittsburgh ground game struggled is you got to remember as talented as Le'Veon Bell is, there there's a difference, you know, not being with the team for the entire preseason. There's just those little timing things, the little blocking schemes that you have to get back and, you know, get used to. So I think that was the main reason. I, I'm not worried about Le'Veon Bell at all. Um, we'll get to him when we talk about the Steelers, but I also think Baltimore, they will commit more to the run this year. They've been talking about that all off season. So Terrence West, I think he's going to be the best flex option if you're in a standard league. Um, but Javorius Allen, as you mentioned, he'll take over that Woodhead role. And I think he might be a decent flex in PPR as well. We saw Danny Woodhead get targeted a ton on the first drive before he got injured. Um, and Javorius Allen should really take over a lot of those targets. And then in terms of the passing game, uh, kind of like what I said with Bell missing time in the preseason, Joe Flacco with that back injury, he really didn't get any action in the preseason either. And it's going to take a little bit of time to really kind of develop that rapport with his receivers. So I think this passing game is going to take a little while to really gel. But, um, you know, I think it's going to be kind of a messy, uh, I don't want to say wide receiver by committee, but just kind of, uh, you know, Flacco is going to spread the ball around with these three wide receivers uh, Macklin would be my first choice of the three, but I, I think it's going to be a week to week mess there. Yeah, this is, this is a really best case scenario for the, for the Ravens. Hey, Coco, damn it. Sorry. <laughs> Having some issues there. <laughs> yes. Uh, let me, uh, let me, let me, uh, shuffle some things around over here. We're, uh, we're, Probably we're totally that. keeping that in by the way. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry about that. Are we still rolling? So what are what are the uh, fantasy projections for Coco this week? Tell us, Los. <laughs> uh, Coco will uh, bark at five different dogs that come across the television because every <laughs> NFL commercial has a dog in it all of a sudden on all <laughs> streaming devices. Uh, um, okay. So in this matchup, I will take not Cleveland. Uh, yes, I will take Baltimore. And that's what I was saying. Uh, this is a perfect situation for Baltimore. We're going to start the season with two wins while their team gets a, a chance to gel more together with Flacco coming back, which is great for them. Yep. Um, all right, let's move on to the next matchup here, which is going to be Buffalo at Carolina. I think sure. Tyrod Taylor is going to be fine. You know, high end fantasy QB two, low end QB one going forward, even with this offense struggling at times. Um, you know, his rushing is always going to give him a decent floor. And then LaShawn McCoy, similarly, is just going to be just fine. He's getting fed carries and targets out of the backfield. And 
You know, that's really where it stops for me, though. Jordan Matthews caught two passes on three targets against a horrendous Jets team, and Charles Clay and Andre Holmes each caught a touchdown in this game, but really, I, I think this is going to be kind of a, you know, whoever gets the hot hand sort of deal in, in the receiving game. Jordan Matthews has never been a super impressive wide receiver, and he's just a wide receiver four option right now in fantasy for me. Um, Charles Clay, he's an interesting tight end too if he continues to be that number two option in the passing game. But at the same time, I think Jordan Matthews, Zay Jones, and even Nick O'Leary, they're going to eat into that target share week to week. Um, I just don't expect to find a ton of consistency in this Bills passing game. I think this is a passing offense that is going to have a little more clarity as the season goes on. Uh, Taylor had a nice game against the Jets, an 18-point day with 38 yards rushing on the ground. Um, His rushing, like you said, holds a really nice floor for him. Uh, Of course, McCoy's a weekly running back one. I just worry that if he gets overworked with 27 touches week one, um, if he does, the team is prepared to lean on Mike Tolbert, which is not great from a fantasy standpoint. Mike Tolbert never a stud, but it at least offers you consistent production instead of a committee sort of situation, which is what happens on most teams, unfortunately. And then you end up with three running backs, none of which can you use on on any fantasy teams. Um, None of the wide receivers are worth a start right now. But in deeper leagues, I I do recommend Zay Jones as a hold if you have the room. Um, Taylor, we saw it all last year. He loves to throw the ball deep and he's fairly accurate with it. You you don't really consider him as such, but he's pretty accurate with the deep ball comparing to a lot of quarterbacks across the league. Um, Charles Clay, four catches, 53 yards and a touchdown. I like him as a streaming tight end play, but not this week in Carolina. Yeah, I don't think Charles Clay is going to find uh, nearly as much room over the middle as he did last week with Luke Keekley uh, kind of lurking there. No, he's going to get hard, hit hit hard. Yep, um, and then on the Carolina side of the ball, I don't know if this is a bold take, but I think if I owned Cam Newton right now on a fantasy team, which I don't, um, if you can, I would try to trade him. Uh, Cam did not look great against a pretty bad San Francisco team, and even though it was a blowout at the end of the day, um, it seems like he's really off target with a lot of those throws. I mean, he's never been the most accurate passer, and part of his fantasy production has always been his rushing upside, but It seems like Carolina really wants to limit his rushing this year to keep him healthy, and that just absolutely kills his fantasy upside. I mean, he's, I don't know, he had a horrendous overthrow uh, of Ed Dixon, who's wide open in the end zone against San Francisco, and I, I don't know if it's a slow recovery from the shoulder surgery or what, but I just don't see him maintaining fantasy QB1 value this year. Um, on the other hand, in the rushing game, though, Christian McCaffrey looks like he's really going to pay dividends on that third round ADP. He played 48 snaps versus Jonathan Stewart's 29 snaps in that game. And even though it's going to be somewhat of a committee with both of these guys involved on the ground, I think McCaffrey is clearly going to be the go-to running back on passing downs, and he's going to be producing way more in PPR. Now, Jonathan Stewart did get touchdown, but it was on a play near the goal line where both he and McCaffrey were on the field. And it could just as easily go to McCaffrey this week. I think Stewart is more of a flex play that's going to be a little touchdown dependent, uh, whereas McCaffrey is going to be the higher ceiling and higher floor RB2 and PPR. Um, I just see that most teams are going to put up a little bit more of a fight than San Francisco, and that's going to lead to a little bit less Stewart running out the clock and a little bit more McCaffrey. Yeah, uh, 
like I said, Cam definitely could have capitalized a little more than he did against this team. Points were definitely left on the field. Um, this isn't going to be week, the week that, that he starts to capitalize, not against the Buffalo defense. Um, regarding those running backs, I think we learned a lot this game in terms of the usage Rivera uh, wants these running backs to achieve. And that slots McCaffrey around a running back too with PPR upside and Stewart for me, a possible flex, but I think he's really going to be dependent on game scripts. I think that touchdown and the, and the touches that he did get had a lot to do with them destroying San Francisco. Uh, he's going to get more run when they're up significantly to preserve McCaffrey, because there's an understanding in the league that these running backs wear down and you, you use them in big spots, use them a ton. But like, I think it's a mistake how they're using McCoy in Buffalo. And I don't think they're going to make that sort of mistake with McCaffrey here. I, I think um, the problem for me here is that they're not going to be up big against any of these next games. And I think Stewart's value is really going to decline here against Buffalo, New Orleans, New England, Detroit, Philadelphia. I don't think they'll have a chance to really lean on him. Uh, it'll be a heavy dose of McCaffrey. Yep, I, I definitely agree with that. Um, and then in terms of the receivers, I think Kelvin Benjamin, he definitely had a very poor showing against San Francisco, but he's still a wide receiver for now. Um, I, I do think that he'll be an okay play as Carolina's best red zone receiver. Again, they didn't really need to throw a ton in this game. And, you know, similarly, I expect Greg Olson is just going to be, you know, he'll be fine. He's still a mid-end tight end one, given his rapport with Cam Newton here. Kelvin Benjamin is like the inverse DeAndre Hopkins to me. He's the one that everybody wants and is always with, but like really shouldn't be because he doesn't give you anything back in that relationship. <laughs> oh, I love it. I think that's a great, uh, a great comparison there. Yeah. <laughs> um, I will take Carolina at home in this game. Yeah, I think Carolina's gonna gonna get it going against Buffalo. Um, though it'll be a close game. I do like Buffalo. All right, um, let's move on then to another, uh, what should be a very great, entertaining game here. Two very oh high-octane offenses. And of course, wow. I'm talking about Arizona at Indy. A lot of these quarterbacks, I don't know what's going on so far this year. A lot of slow-starting quarterbacks. Palmer did not look good against an underwhelming defense, but Indianapolis is really just that bad um if palmer isn't done completely he should bounce back quite nicely this week if he does not it's time to start selling your shares in arizona um he's a higher end quarterback two for me against indianapolis but if he doesn't hit that mark you abandon ship um unfortunately david johnson suffered a wrist injury that should have him out eight to 12, maybe more weeks. I don't love the backups, but if you're really in a bind and have no other options, I would start Kerwin Williams here. Um, but Indianapolis, despite all their uh, shortcomings, they held Todd Gurley to 2.0 yards per carry, despite allowing him a touchdown. Um, if, if Palmer does bounce back, Arians has repeatedly shown he's not a coach who takes his foot off the accelerator when just cause his team's ahead. So this could be a good chance for Palmer to reestablish a rhythm lock in fits as a wide receiver. One for me, Nelson and Brown is low on flexes, assuming Carson Palmer isn't done. If he's done, then, then this is all toast. Yeah. You know, my mind agrees with you that Palmer is a fantasy QB two with upside this week against that terrible cold secondary, but my heart just says, don't do it. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, man, I'd be nervous if I were starting him. I'd, I'd, I'd at least take a look around the waiver wire and see what quarterbacks are out there. Um, yeah. I mean, he looked rough and 
again, with David Johnson, we're, we're hearing is likely needing surgery and going to be on IR with that wrist uh, dislocation. I can't imagine this Arizona offense doing that well. I mean, <laughs> they signed DJ Foster from New England's practice squad. That's kind of a, a sign that, you know, they're expecting David Johnson to be out for quite some time. Um, who knows? They may still re-sign Chris Johnson. That's something that's been, you know, run, bouncing around the rumor mill. But I think for now, Kern Williams becomes a weekly flex player or maybe even a high-end RB3. Um, you know, and Andre Ellington's going to be involved in that passing game too. So I don't know. It's going to be kind of a messy committee on, on an offense that I think is going to struggle. They're both just, you know, low-end flex plays for me. But... You know, and even with Larry Fitzgerald, I, I think he's a wide receiver too with upside. I'm hesitant to put him in that wide receiver one category for this week, even against the Colts. Um, yeah, I mean, we just need to see something out of Carson Palmer or else, like you said, he it might be time to take him out back. And yeah. <laughs> yeah, I, I would do that to Carson Palmer. I would I would not do that to Tom Brady, even though they looked fairly similar this week. Well, yeah, we're we're talking about a whole whole different class of quarterback here. No offense it, to Carson Palmer. Exactly. Um, but yeah, on the Colts side, they looked absolutely god awful. <laughs> um, I personally think they might be the second worst roster in the league right now behind the Jets without Andrew Luck. They just looked I mean, I understand that you don't have your starting quarterback and obviously you're not gonna do as well, but they looked like they looked like a college team playing a pro team almost. That, uh, that just looked bad. Um, obviously, you're not starting Tolzien or Brissett in fantasy, but this backfield looks like a mess too. I mean, Frank Gore played 19 snaps, and then they took him out because they were so far behind, and they put Marlon Mack in, and he had a he had a nice touchdown, but he also had a bad fumble. Um, Robert Turbin also played 14 snaps. Uh, the offensive line looked bad, and there's just every reason for our opposing defenses to stack the box as long as luck is out. I'm avoiding all the Colts running backs in fantasy unless you're super desperate. I think Mack and Gore are both very low floor, low ceiling plays. Um, maybe RB4. I mean, you're, you're just hoping for a touchdown there, but I would not bet on that. Hilton and Moncrief are both just wide receiver fours too because they can't get anything going on offense. Until we see some some life on this team, uh, I'm avoiding all the Colts players. I totally agree with you about this team. I'm not excited by the Marlon Mack touchdown, uh, except in a dynasty sort of format where maybe that means he could be part of the future. I think if there's one positive to take away for redraft Gore owners, this team will continue to get routed early and they'll pull Gore much like they did in this game to preserve him, you know, age before beauty. When luck is back, if this offense can find some sort of spark or rhythm or improve in some way, then Gore's going to be pretty fresh for that entire run. Um, and, and there could be some decent upside there. Uh, until then, I'd look almost everywhere elsewhere if possible. Of course, continue to hold luck if you do have them stashed in your in your IR. Yeah, this is one of those terrible games where I would not be shocked if the Colts somehow pulled an upset, but I'm gonna take Arizona here. Yeah, I I do think I think there's a sixty percent chance that Arizona's fine, but there's that that doubt in my mind that maybe Palmer just is finished. Yeah, let's let's put it this way. I'm not touching this game in a survivor league. No, no, no. 
Um, all right, the next game, this should be really interesting. Uh, and, and I say that non-sarcastically with a game <laughs> involving Jacksonville for the first time and I'm not sure how long. Um, Tennessee at Jacksonville, a, a big AFC South battle. Yeah, uh, somehow Mariota somewhat sur- surprisingly went without a passing touchdown against Oakland. Uh, and the pass offense was just not clicking on all cylinders for him. Um, Oakland, we know, does not have the greatest pass defense. This will improve. He had a solid 18-point day, of course, with a nice rushing touchdown. Uh, a bright spot for this offense, too, was Corey Davis. Uh, despite a preseason injury, he started the game and was not a decoy like a lot of folks do. Six of uh, six catches on 10 looks for 69 yards, which might make him the Gronk's favorite rookie for this year. Uh, surprising to me was Eric Decker's down day three catches for 10 yards and Matthews five catches for 71 yards. All of them are all, all three wide receivers are low on flexes for me this week, but uh, I'm giving this pass attack a mulligan. Uh, even more surprising to me was the lack of a run game. Only 12 carries for 44 yards for Murray, six carries, 25 yards for Henry. Again, this offense will improve. This may not be the week against a, a very stout Jacksonville defense, uh, clock control offense, but they will get better as this season goes on. Yeah, um, Marcus Mariota and the offense looked a little rusty against Oakland, and, and to the Raiders' credit, their defense improved quite a bit, but Mariota was still a top fantasy QB1 this week despite uh, not having a passing touchdown. He had three design QB runs, one of which went for a touchdown. Uh, I still think this is his breakout year, and this game might possibly be like one of his worst fantasy performances all year, and I'll take that for my fantasy QB. Um, and like you said, the running game really struggled, and I think it's going to be tough sledding again this week against this Jacksonville defensive line that absolutely mauled the Texans. I think Mariota is still a mid to low end QB one. I don't, I don't see him struggling quite uh, as much as Watson or Savage did. Um, but the running game, I definitely have downgraded a bit. I think DeMarco Murray is just a mid end RB two here. You're basically hoping he gets the dive into the end zone for a touchdown. And then Delaney Walker, he still led the team with seven catches for 76 yards, clearly a solid tight end one. And as you mentioned, there doesn't seem to be a true number one wide receiver as of now. Um, But I do think that as the season progresses, Corey Davis's role is only going to continue to grow. Remember, he missed a lot of the preseason with an injury. I think as he continues to grow with Mariota, he's going to become that guy in this offense. Yeah, it was really nice to see him get into this game. And then despite not having a lot of preseason uh, work, having that having that connection with Mariota and he he's he's a very talented wide receiver. Obviously, he was taken very highly in the draft. I think we can, we can expect big things from him and he's definitely going to be fantasy relevant come playoff time. Second half of the fantasy season. Yeah, um, I think, the, um, I think the, Corey Davis, the best example of that was there was a back shoulder throw down the sideline where he just went up and got it and it was perfectly timed between himself and Marcus Mariota. And I think that's a, a sign of things to come. I certainly hope so. Uh, Jacksonville opened up the season with a very dominant defensive showing, although it was against the Texans offense. Um, Quickly, Bortles is not a good option this year. He's lost the team's best wide receiver in Allen Robinson for the year. I'm avoiding the Jacksonville passing game. Uh, The running game got significant work and turned in a very good day against the top defense. Fournette started his career with a 26-carry, 100-yard, one-touchdown, three-catch, 24-yard showing. Uh, He should get 20-plus touches weekly. Again, uh, 
Um, with Yeldon out this game, Chris Ivory also had nine carries for 42 yards, one catch for 11. And while I don't necessarily like him this week versus Tennessee, if Jacksonville matches up with a team with a poor rushing defense and Yeldon is still hurt, Ivory may have some standard flex worthy weeks. Or for that matter, if Fournette's foot flares up, um, he's not an add to your roster right now, but, but, uh, you know, click the, click the flag or star or whatever puts him on your watch list. Monitor this guy's, uh, this guy's looks and play for now. Um, nice start to Fournette's career. He's not, you know, exactly looking like Kareem Hunt or anything, but he, he did it against a much better defense. Yeah. I don't know if I'm necessarily there with you on Chris Ivory. I think if Fournette goes down, the Jacksonville offense is in real trouble. Um, oh Yeah. But clearly, you know, the Jaguars want Blake Bortles touching the ball as little as possible. Um, and then not necessarily fantasy related, but there is a video showing Blake Bortles going over to Allen Robinson after he was down on the field and tapping him in show of support on his injured knee. Um, I, I think that just kind of sums up where Blake Bortles is at this point in his career. Uh, you know, it's sad, but that's where we are. Um you know, with, with Allen Robinson out for the year, you still have to downgrade Leonard Fournette a little bit. I know he already saw a ton of defenders in the box, and he will continue to. But without Robinson there, really defenses have nothing to fear deep in the field. Uh, you know, my my guess is that Marquise Lee becomes that number one guy. He was actually drafted before Allen Robinson that year. Um, but he's had his share of injury troubles, and Allen Hearns looks like a shadow of himself. I don't know. He just looks bad and you know i i don't know that i want any of these guys but if you're in a deep league maybe consider marquise lee um but even then he's still just a wide receiver four or five uh you're really not starting anybody outside of Fournette and fantasy maybe the defense as a streamer see i think i think they were already stacking the box on Fournette though because as good as Allen robinson could be i mean he wasn't good last year he was good two years ago as good as he could be because of his quarterback, I, I don't really think people were afraid of the pass game regardless. Yeah, I get what you're saying, but I think just even more so now, there's really nothing to fear if Allen Robinson is down. Yeah, yeah, it's it, it's really a sad situation. Yeah, um, give me Tennessee here, although I think it's going to be an interesting game. I think Tennessee is actually going to handle them pre- pretty pretty well. Okay. Um, we'll see. I, I think it's, I think Mariota and company will take a little bit to get started, but uh, I do think they take this game. All right. Uh, want to move us to, uh, Missouri. Yeah. Um, okay. So the next game is going to be Philly at Kansas city and man, Carson Wentz looks like the real deal. He started off hot last year and he had a nice game in week one here too. Um, he had a couple of off target throws, but he made an amazing play on that long touchdown to Nelson Aguilar where he dodged three tacklers and then found him deep for a 58 yard bomb. Um, you know, that said playing against Washington and playing against Kansas city, uh, are very different tests. Um, for me in fantasy, Wentz is just a mid-level QB two this week. Um, and then LeGarrette Blunt is clearly the lead rusher in this backfield, but it's definitely a committee and he's still just a flex play. Uh, we saw that Sproles is probably going to be the better play in PPR leagues for sure. Maybe even a back-end RB2 this week, um, as I think the Eagles are going to struggle to run on the Chiefs, leading to quite a few of those short dump-off passes to Sproles. And then finally, it might finally be Zach Ertz's year. I think he's a legit PPR tight end one this year. 
Um, Wentz seems to be much more comfortable throwing the ball to the middle of the field than to the outside. And this actually brings me to Nelson Aguilar, who's going to be one of my top waiver wire ads at wide receiver. Um, I think if you need help at that position, he's going to produce as a flex play all year. It seems like he's going he's gonna to absorb all of those targets that Jordan Matthews used to get. Um, clearly, they feel comfortable with Aguilar having traded Matthews away. And, you know, as for Alshon Jeffrey, I think he'll still be a decent wide receiver three, low end wide receiver two. Um, he only caught three passes for 38 yards, but he saw a lot of shadow coverage from Josh Norman, and he's still got two end zone targets, one of it, one of which he converted for a two-point conversion. So, I mean, I, I think there's still plenty of fantasy relevance for Alshon Jeffrey despite a poor week one performance. And then one last note, too, on the defense. Uh, they lost cornerback Ronald Darby to a dislocated ankle, supposedly out four or six weeks or something. Um, so this secondary lost a big piece, but man, that Eagles defensive line might be top 10 in the league. So I definitely keep that defense on my waiver wire watch list for when Darby returns. Even, even before Darby returns that the strength of this defense is in that line and a good pass rush when do, when playing well enough, when clicking on all cylinders eliminates the quarterback's time so much that you can almost throw just another guy out there at cornerback and you'd be okay. Yeah, but I, I do think they're going to struggle a little bit without Darby on the field. Yeah, de- definitely. But but still not scaring me off of playing the Philadelphia defense. Um, as for Aguilar, I'm, I'm not drinking the Kool-Aid on him just yet. Washington, not a very good defense, and they focus their attention on Alshon Jeffrey. And the majority of his cal- uh, value came on that one very broken play that you spoke about that led to a touchdown. Um, without it, he would have had five catches, 29 yards, and we wouldn't even be talking about him, I don't think. Um, and that's with Alshon being limited to three catches on 38 yards. Alshon's numbers will go up. Aguilar's numbers will go down. Um, I'm not expecting consistent targets for him. I would echo your thoughts on Zach Ertz. I loved him coming into the season. I love him right now. And while Gronk was limited very well by Kansas City, he was covered all game by by top flight Pro Bowl safety Eric Berry, who is now unfortunately out for the season. So I don't think they have a man that's going to match up as well on Zach Ertz. Um, I don't like Blunt this week for the running backs. Sproles should have a decent showing, but I just don't love the Eagles or their backfield against this very solid defense. Yeah, and just to, just to confirm, you know, you, you said you still like the Philadelphia defense and fantasy with that defensive line, but you're not starting them against Kansas City this week. No, no, not this week. Okay, that's what I figured, but just wanted to clarify for the listeners out there. Sure. Excellent question. Um, all right. So, man, Alex Smith, uh, fantasy QB one. Who would have thought? Um, wow. If you predicted that, you you need to be like quitting your day job or something. Yeah. It, nobody predicted that. That's that's what happened. I can guarantee you that. Yeah. I mean, Alex he... Smith's mother didn't predict that. <laughs> yeah. Uh, oh, oh, Alex, you'll be great this week. <laughs> As she. Pats him on the shoulder and packs his lunch and turns her head in disgust. Yeah. Ooh, a very nice run there by Dalvin Cook. Um, but yeah, I, I mean, Alex Smith walked in the Foxborough joke and he, he walked out a hero. He, he's always been kind of a, a running joke in fantasy because he hesitates to throw in a coverage. But he showed this game that he's finally going to be willing to take some deep shots this season. Um, he's a legit QB2 streamer, depending on the matchup. I, I came into the season loving Kareem Hunt and Tyreek Hill and and nothing has changed there 
Um, I will preach a tiny bit of caution on Kareem Hunt as he actually only played 39 snaps versus Sharkhandrick West's 23, uh, partially due to uh, Sharkhandrick West's good pass protection. But at the same time, Hunt is a way more talented running back and should be a high-end RB2, low-end RB1 going forward. Uh, Touchdown. Yeah. Um, and then, sorry, no, that's totally fine. Uh, you know, we, we get excited when we watch football and that, that, that's, that's part another of it. one of our boys. Yeah. Um, so, you know, um, Tyreek Hill, one thing to note on him, he did leave last week's game with cramps, but it sounds minor and he's got an extra three days to recover. So he should be ready to go against Philadelphia. Um, yeah, I mean, and Travis Kelsey, you know, New England focused on shutting him down last week, but he still scored in nine points in PPR. Don't complain. That might be his floor in 2017. Um, you're starting Hunt, Hill, and Kelsey, and I don't really need to tell you that, do I? No, yeah, you don't have to tell me that. Uh, Smith, of course, had the game of his life, like you talked about, against a very, very banged up New England defense. We can't, you know, we can anoint him the next great thing, but. I think people are really overlooking just how beat up that New England defense was. Um, Though he is a reasonable spot starter, just not this week. Hunt proved a lot to me, really proved the most to me on that second carry. Um, Well, on that second carry and then on his touchdown carry, he came back after fumbling and still played hard. No sign of being timid or overcautious, stretched the ball out for a a touchdown. He plays like a pro in this game. It's really impressive. Um, Tyreek, 7 of 8 for 130 yards and a touchdown. Kelsey, 5 of 7 for 40. What more is there to say? They're going to continue to see volume. They're locked in starters unless your team is absolutely stacked with talent. Um, At this point, I'm not willing to get excited about any other Kansas City pass catchers. And I, I still recommend considering Charkandrick West if Hunt goes down or anything crazy like that happens not that it's crazy it happens every week um I I do think Reed, Reed's gonna lean on West and give him low-end weekly running back one worthy consideration he leans on one back he trusts him if he didn't like West West would be off the team just like Niall Davis he still thinks he can work for him yeah, and the one last note I'll add here is um, if for some reason somebody drops the uh, Chiefs defense after a poor showing last week, oh. Um, oh, definitely, definitely pick them up. Uh, they're still an elite fantasy option when they're not facing Tom Brady. Yeah, come on. And and they they looked pretty darn good. <laughs> yeah, uh, give me the Chiefs at Arrowhead. Yes, of course. All right, next game should be a, a non-sarcastically a very good game with two high-powered offenses. Um, New England at New Orleans. So that was a, a tough start for the Patriots. And, and I think this is going to be a fun game to watch, but I, I do think it's going to be close. And I think the Patriots are going to scrape out a win here. Um, Delvin Bro, the Saints' best cornerback, is on IR. Tom Brady is going to have a big bounce-back game in the Superdome here. Um, you're starting Brady, and you're probably starting James White and Mike Gillisley both as flex options. Um, we saw that obviously both have high upside. Last week it was Gillisley, but it could very well be James White in a more passing-oriented game this week. Um, you know, Gillisley got those goal line carries. I think he's going to be the slightly better play due to scoring opportunity. Um, but again, I still do like James White, especially in PPR leagues. And then in the same vein, even though the box score looked pretty awful for Brandon Cooks and Chris Hogan, um, they're still 
uh, excuse me, both great starts this week against a very bad New Orleans secondary. We've seen Adam Thielen and Stefan Diggs torch them quite a couple of times tonight. Um, I expect a nice revenge game from Brandon Cooks uh, in the Superdome. And then Hogan, I still think he's a good flex play. He played 73 snaps in week one against Amendola's 32, but he saw Marcus Peters, one of the best cornerbacks in the game for a lot of that game. Uh, so, you know, I, I think Hogan's still worth a shot. I wouldn't give up on him just yet. And then I don't need to say this, but I'll say it anyway. You're starting Rob Gronkowski. Please don't be that person. Uh, he almost had a touchdown catch that was called back uh, as incomplete. And yeah, you're starting him. Almost had a phenomenal touchdown catch. A supremely athletic Gronkian touchdown catch is what he almost had. Uh, unfortunately did not come into fruition. Um, now Brady had a pretty uninspiring 267 yards against Kansas city, but new England is a, or new Orleans is a much worse offense. Now, if he struggles here, it may be legitimately time to worry sort of like Carson Palmer, like, because he should not have a problem throwing the ball around on Kansas on, uh, on new Orleans. I expect him to be a top three quarterback play this week. Uh, we'll have to monitor the status of Damian Amendola, but if he's healthy, he essentially has the keys to Julian Edelman city. Uh, Gronk and cooks will be fine. Gronk should have had a touchdown last. Well, he, not that he should have, it, it wasn't a caught ball, but he got looks, you know, uh, he, he had some trouble connecting with Tom early in the game, but this will improve. Definitely. The biggest question is what do we do with the information we learned from the backfield? Uh, my answer is to trade them away when their value is at their highest. Gillisley looks like the favorite for goal line situation work, but was pretty ineffective. Otherwise um, 15 carries for 45 yards only, but then he had those three touchdowns. White looked like the best guy to own really 10 carries, 38 yards, three catches, 30 yards. And most of the snaps in the second half when the game was really uh, on the line, there's some whispers of Deion Lewis being traded. I'd hold both Lewis and Burkhead unless something more interesting is on the waiver wire. Uh, you're starting without question right now. Gronks, Cooks, Hogan, Gillisley, and White. Yeah, uh, just a couple final notes uh, on Brady and Gronk. Uh, I'm not that worried about Brady because of Gillisley's three rushing touchdowns. I think that is, you know, that's going to regress in terms of more balance between passing touchdowns and rushing. Um, and then also, uh, remember on Gronk too, Eric Berry is one of the best safeties out there. And he he had great coverage on Gronk the entire game until he left the game with an injury. Um, you know, that's even less worried, excuse me, less reasons to worry about Gronk. Yeah, my main worry with Brady is that how dis like he he didn't look like he was in a good rhythm early in the game. He he practically threw Amendola into that concussion. Uh, he wasn't making Brady decisions out there. Yeah, um, certainly I think uh, Julian Edelman hurts a, a little bit more than we all expected. Definitely. Um, so on the Saints side here, uh, since we are recording in the middle of this game, uh, Drew Brees is getting harassed all night by this Minnesota defense. He's been sacked a few times already. Um, but Drew Brees is still Drew Brees, and he's making some amazing throws out here. I think he's going to be just fine. Um, but the backfield is a full-blown committee. We've already seen Adrian Peterson yelling at Sean Payton on the sidelines, put me in coach. Um, but that's not how the Saints operate. I think it's just going to be a messy committee for the rest of the year here. Um, but that said, I think Adrian Peterson will be a decent flex play. Uh, you know, even though I expect this to be more of a shootout, 
I do think they're going to be able to run on this very weak Patriots defensive line. Um, they really weren't able to stop Kareem Hunt at all, and Adrian Peterson could get a little, a little something going in week two. Um, obviously, you're starting Michael Thomas. He'll soak up plenty of targets regardless of the matchup. And, you know, I, I don't think we're going to see as much success for Ted Ginn here. Um, he's been struggling tonight against a very good Minnesota secondary. And then, uh, you know, the, the New England secondary, that's really kind of the strength of their defense. And Belichick generally does well taking away the big plays, despite Tyreek Hill and Kareem Hunt both getting long touchdowns last week. Um, you can be sure that the Patriots secondary are getting chewed out, and they'll be hearing about that in practice all week. Uh, I don't see Ginn having a, a big week this week. Yeah, from what I'm looking at, it, it's a true three-headed monster with AP Ingram and, and Kamara. Maybe a good monster for the Saints. He hasn't been so far in this game, but it is a bad monster, an evil monster that creeps in under your pillow, under your bed, or in your closet for your fantasy hopes of, of doing something with New Orleans backfield. Um, we'll know more, I guess, as this week with their lack of success. I don't think they're going to be very successful next week against New England, though that New England defense is very banged up. Uh, Thomas, of course, leading wide receivers, which should surprise no one. I like this offense this year, and their defense is just bad enough to make for a lot of offensive producers. Yeah, and I will say, um, Kobe Fleener with Willie Sneed is interesting. Uh, like I said, I expect this to be a shootout in week two, and Fleener tonight already five catches, so... Um, I think he's going to be very involved and he'll be a decent, you know, low end tight end one in PPR. Yeah, I can't disagree with you there. Um, I'm going to go ahead and go with Brady and the new England Patriots to win this game. Yeah. I think whatever the Vegas over under is going to be on, on this game, I'm going to take the over. Um, I think this is going to be like a 45 to 40 type of game. Strong offenses, no defenses. Yeah, I, th I think we're going to see uh, Brady and Belichick uh, come back angry in week two. They, they're angry guys once, once, uh, when somebody makes them that way. That's for sure. Yeah, I mean, I, I've been this whole, this whole weekend, I've, say, I've been saying, you know, pile on those articles, those hot takes about Brady being done. That's only going to fire him up even more. There we go. All right, next game here, Minnesota at Pittsburgh. Uh, wow, I mean, Minnesota looks good right now. Yeah, so far Cook has had all but uh, three of the carries and uh, all but four of the carries, and Latavius Murray fumbled on his first carry. Uh, so, so it looks like the Latavius, or I'm sorry, the Dalvin Cook show 84 yards on the ground, uh, adding three catches through the air with eight minutes left to go in the game. Uh, so, so those who bought in on him, I good on you. You had more faith than me. I don't buy in on rookies, but I, I think this one may actually pay dividends. Um, even better. Bradford's been very accurate, very efficient, multiple touchdowns, good pick Mung. Uh, I, I think you were right. I, I won't say that he's a good every week start just yet, but against iffy defenses, he can take significant advantage. He's looking really good. Yeah, I have him uh, going in quite a few daily lineups given his cheap price too. So he's, he's doing pretty well oh, nice. right now. Um, but yeah, like I said, I, I'm high on him as a high-end QB2, maybe even more this year. We'll we'll see how the season shakes out for him. Obviously, health is a big factor for Bradford. Um, and then, yeah, Dalvin Cook looks good right now. The defense is a top-10 unit in the league. And I think they're a legitimate contender right now for the NFC North, given how much uh, you know Green Bay's offense struggle against Seattle. If Minnesota's line can protect Sam Bradford, then we could see a new NFC North champion this year. 
I'd love that. And and if somebody else could step up and take the NFC wild card, I'd like that even more. <laughs> yeah. And, uh, you know, we, we don't really need to talk about it too much, but Diggs, PPR wide receiver two, um, Rudolph tight end one. Yeah. Boom. Done. All right. Uh, not so much for Pittsburgh though. Uh, I mean, we all know that big Ben struggles on the road, but man, if, if you had Pittsburgh going in a survival pool, uh, that you were on, on the edge of your seat for most of that game. Yeah, very bad disjointed day for the Pittsburgh offense in Cleveland. Um, that That's the big, big Ben road split in action for you folks. Week one, they're back at home here, but against a much better defense. I'm not worried. Still starting big Ben though. He is very low end quarterback one high end quarterback two. He was a little overdrafted for me in leagues this year. Um, Bell and Brown are fine. A little surprised by Mar- Martavis Bryant's struggles, but he hasn't seen real NFL time in quite some time. I expect to bounce back as Minnesota will focus their secondary on limiting Antonio Brown, uh, but they're still a good defense regardless. Jesse James turned it in a nice day, six catches, 41 yards, two touchdowns, but I'm not jumping to add him. I, I think he's a good sell candidate, as a matter of fact, if you own him in more active, actively trading leads. Minnesota's a better defense, as are Baltimore, Jacksonville, and Kansas City, which are all upcoming matchups. Additionally, Vance mcdonald who's a very talented tight end and on his own uh who they just traded for should have a larger part in that offense in the coming weeks as well hey if last year they had x xavier grimble out there stealing stealing touchdowns and catches from the road dog jesse james then i fully expect vance mcdonald to maybe even knock him out of his role yeah um you know i, I think a lot of people underestimate just how much you know how important training camp and preseason are to like again perfect the little timing routes for wide receivers you know really understand the blocking schemes for running backs um i think Le'Veon bell is gonna only get better uh you know this is a poor showing to start but i, I think he's gonna be just fine and similarly similarly with martavis bryant um you know his lack of involvement or production is concerning but you know, right now he's just a boomer bust flex play, but this is his first NFL game in quite some time. I, I expect in an, another three, four weeks, we're not going to be concerned about him. Um, and then same, you know, same as you on, on Jesse James, I would certainly sell high if anyone's buying, but that might be a tough sell. Um, I do think <laughs> Vance McDonald's going to be more involved once he gets up to speed with this offense. Yes, sir. Uh, give me uh, give me Pittsburgh at home in a tightly contested game. Uh, Minnesota's offense looking better uh, in this game than I thought they would, but that said, it is against New Orleans. Yeah, I think this is going to be a very good game, but I, I will I will give the slight edge to the home team here. I'll take Pittsburgh as well. All right, uh, let's bring it into the, uh, the the Bears of Chicago, who are uh, looking a little not. better uh, than we thought them. they would. What, can we just skip Chicago? Is that is that okay? Do you want to? Uh, no, that's all right. We we'll we'll talk about them. But ugh, that was ugh, was such a disappointing game. Are you kidding me? They they almost killed me in my survival pool. That's what the Bears do to me. They always try to let me down whenever they can. They just get ju- they get just enough wins so that they don't get who we should be drafting. And then they almost knock me off uh, out of my survival pool. When I pick a defending super bowl contending team, <laughs> watch it there. Um, right. Yeah. I mean, it's just, uh, you know, they, they get your hopes up and then they crush you. And, and that was just such a disappointing finish. Uh, I mean, props to them for almost pulling off a huge upset, but 
this offense is going to struggle. We They lost Kevin White now for at least eight weeks with a broken <laughs> shoulder bone. Kendall Wright's their number one wide receiver now. Um, the only the only silver lining here really is Tariq Cohen, who should be a high-end RB3 or flex in PPR going forward. They just have no receiving weapons, so the offense is going to have to go through him and Kendall Wright. And, you know, Cohen and, and Wright will probably lead the team in targets any given week, uh, although I wouldn't necessarily expect this kind of production every game from Cohen. Um, you know... In terms of the tight ends, uh, you know, Deion Sims split time with Zach Miller and, and Adam Shaheen figures to get more involved at some point too. So I really don't want any of those guys. Um, I'd keep an eye on Josh Bellamy and Deontay Thompson in deep, deep dynasty leagues, but I don't know that I'm rushing to the waiver wire for any of those guys and redraft. Yeah, Jordan Howard still led the team in carries, 13 carries, 52 yards and a touchdown. He's still the running back one. But if he struggles, this regime has shown last year they're not afraid to move on from players uh, for players that are showing talent. And another wide receiver injury, like you said, left this team very thin with any sort of talent outside the numbers whatsoever. Next man up on the outside, uh, I think, is Josh Bellamy. I think I like his upside more than White's over the course of this, Wright's over the course of the season. Blendon looked overall okay. He didn't do anything wrong. He didn't do anything supremely right. Uh, in this offense, he's not productive enough to be worth consideration. And that wraps up your Chicago Bears. Yeah, I mean, I think I prefer Kendall Wright for two reasons. One, I think he's going to run more of those over-the-middle like check-down throws that Glennon is going to take a lot of the times. Um, and then two, he does have some rapport established with the offensive coordinator, Dowell Loggins, who was in Tennessee when Kendall Wright was there, too. Yeah, you may be right. The the success I saw Bellamy have last year was, what, Jimmy Clausen? Who was, who was the quarterback when Jay wasn't playing last year? <laughs> Probably with Barkley, right? But yeah, Barkley. That That's the... That's the uh, highly touted college blonde. That's right. Yeah. So, all right, let's move on to the Buccaneers here. Um, sure. So th their week one game got postponed due to Hurricane Irma, and the Bucks will open their season at home against Chicago in week two. Um, obviously, our thoughts to everybody who is dealing with Hurricanes Harvey and Irma, not just in the U.S., but all around the Caribbean here. Um, but fantasy-wise, I think Jameis Winston, uh, he'll be a high-end QB, too. We saw the pass rush get home for the Bears. Uh, one bright spot was the defense with Akeem Hicks. And, uh, you know, I think the Bucks are going to want to run a bit to keep that balanced offense. So I don't know if Winston's going to have a huge day. Um, in terms of the backfield, Jaquiz Rogers should be the guy for now with Doug Martin still suspended. Um, he'll be an okay flex play. And obviously, you're starting Mike Evans as a wide receiver one. Lock him in. And then Deshaun Jackson, he's probably just a low-end wide receiver, too, for me with a lot of upside against this Bears secondary. Um, we saw all sometimes all it takes is uh, one big broken coverage play like for Austin Hooper, and we might see Deshaun Jackson get something like that in this game. Sure. I don't have much to add. Uh, we're going to have to see what the Bucks want their offense to look like in Winston's third year. Uh, that said... Chicago was susceptible to a few big plays out of Austin Hooper. And I, I think I'm in the minority here, but I think there's a decent uh, chance for a good tight end streaming week here for Cameron Brait. Uh, Winston has thrown to him a lot. I don't have any worries about OJ Howard this first week. And, and 
I say he throws the ball at him instead of to him because he's so wildly inaccurate on the deep ball, but luckily has very large targets. Uh, that, that's a concern I do have with Deshaun Jackson. Deshaun Jackson, not a tall guy, um, but he may be fast enough to make up for Winston's overthrows. Yeah, um, I will take Tampa Bay at home. Yeah, I'm going to pick against Chicago almost every game this year. <laughs> All right, well, we'll see if that works out for you in those survivor pools. Yeah, there we go. <laughs> um, okay. Uh, similarly, like with Tampa Bay, Miami will have their home or not their home opener, but their opener this week uh, at L.A. Uh, against the Chargers. Um, I think Jay Cutler is going to struggle against a very good Chargers defense. Uh, their pass rush is going to be lethal, and their secondary is very good. Also, um, we will see them later tonight. And then Jay Ajayi, he's just a low-end RB2 for me uh, this week. I really think that the Chargers' defense is not getting as much hype as it should be all offseason and preseason. Um, and then, you know, for that reason, I think Devontae Parker, he, he's had a much-hyped breakout season this year, having a very good preseason, but I don't think he's going to get rolling in Week 2. Um, he's going to face off against Jason Verrett and Casey Hayward on the road, both very good cornerbacks. Um, I could actually see Jarvis Landry getting a lot of checkdowns in this game, and he'll be a mid-end wide receiver two in PPR for me uh, this week, whereas Parker is just going to be a risky flex play, um, although I do think that Parker is going to outscore Landry on the season. Um, that said, uh, you know, I'm not touching Julius Thomas until we see him do something. I'd be much more inclined to agree with you if I didn't watch Jake Cutler play football for the Bears for seven years. He's not checking down. Jarvis Landry is not a guy to start. He's fearless and will force it to his favorite option no matter what. Single coverage, double coverage, triple coverage, quadruple coverage. He will force that ball in there, throw interceptions because that's what he gets paid to do, but force the ball into his top guy. And that top guy is Devontae Parker. I'm starting Parker all year while they're both healthy. If Jay Cutler gets hurt, then then that's good for Jarvis Landry owners. Yeah, I mean, I can certainly understand your trepidation there, but I, I guess for me, I, I see, you know, we have seen Jay Cutler use his outlets uh, with like Eddie Royal in particular, and I think Jarvis Landry could do something like that. Um, that's why I do like him this week. Um, but certainly you're right as well. He's already called uh, Devontae Parker like a faster uh, Alshon Jeffrey. So I think he will get some uh, forced targets there. Yeah. Pray, pray everyone for, for Devante Parker that he doesn't get demolished while Jay does whatever he's going to do to him. Yeah. I, I saw a tweet out there that was like uh pray for Miami hurricane Jay's on the way. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's good. And we shouldn't speak ill of, of the best Chicago bears quarterback in history, because unfortunately say what you will, he is the best man ever to play quarterback in Chicago. Yeah. Statistically. <laughs> How sad is that? Never. That's not, that's not what this podcast is about. <laughs> on to, on to, on to, uh, on to the chargers. Yeah, um, I like Rivers here as a low-end QB1. Uh, Melvin Gordon should be a rock-solid RB1, and I like Keenan Allen as a high-upside wide receiver, too. Um, Tyrell Williams should be a nice low-end wide receiver, too, or a high-end flex play, though we'll see how this Chargers offense looks ag uh, against Denver tonight. And then for the tight ends, I, I do like Hunter Henry and Dynasty, but I think that he and Antonio Gates are both just mid-end tight end twos right now. Uh, it's really going to depend on who gets a touchdown as Antonio Gates continues to kind of put off father time and force that tight end by committee. 
Um, and then, like I said about the defense, I really think the Chargers' defense is underrated. I think we're going to see um, them pull out a win against Denver tonight, and I like them again in Week 2 against Smoke and Jay. Slightly different take here uh, with the tight ends. I think once Gates beats Tony Gonzalez's record of 111 career touchdowns for a, for a tight end, which he's tied with right now, he needs one more, that means, to break the record. I really think that Hunter Henry becomes a, becomes a locked-in tight end one. This offense is that good, and Hunter Henry is that good. Rare for me to say that about rookie tight ends, but he has caught on quickly, and he is a lot of talent. Uh, they've showed their commitment to getting Gates this accolade, and Gates is even on record saying that once this is out of the way, the team can move forward and improve. This may happen tonight versus Denver, but I'm not going to bet on that. Uh, other than that, I'm very curious to see how the rest of the targets really shake down on this team. We're expecting Keenan Allen to die dominate the targets um, and then the other guys sort of to split up and, and Tyrell Williams to be the solid uh, wide receiver too. Um, but we may not learn a ton of that tonight due to the dominance of the Denver pass defense and uh, relative poorness of the run defense. It may just be Melvin Gordon getting 30 carries and them winning by 14. Yeah. Um, I, I guess I'm not as optimistic on Henry as you are. I, I do think he'll be very involved, but I think, you know, Gates is going to continue to be involved even after he breaks the record. It, it's really going to be once he just can't go anymore, but we'll see if, if he gets hurt at all. I, I do like Henry's upside for sure. There we go. Uh, give, give me chargers at home against, uh, against the Miami Jays. Yeah. I will take the chargers as well. Um, three, uh, Four and a half interceptions over or under for Jay Cutler. <laughs> I'll take the under on that. <laughs> yeah, I guess two and a half is probably a better line. Yeah, I, I could see I could see two interceptions though for sure. All right, all right. Um, so what about uh New York Jets at Oakland? Uh this will Oof. be an exciting game, huh? Oh my gosh. Well, I it will be exciting just because I, I think listeners know how much I enjoy watching this Oakland team play. But the Jets, woof, what a terrible team. Bilal Powell, seven carries for twenty-two yards, five catches for seventeen yards. Forte, six carries for sixteen, three catches for twenty. Better days are ahead, and I still like Powell. But I would try to look elsewhere until he shows a decent day. Uh, Curse had a surprisingly high number of targets for just joining the team. Seven catches, nine targets, 59 yards. So if you're truly desperate desperate, and you really want to play somebody on, on New York, he's the guy to look at. He just joined the team. It's rare for somebody just getting into the team, just getting into the playbook to get that many looks. Yeah, I mean, if you're really desperate, I guess he's a desperation wide receiver for play and then... Bilal Powell will be the other maybe guy as a high-end RB4 or low-end RB3. Um, <laughs> I can t- Your voice is just filled with disdain for the Jets. It's, it's um, almost comical. I, that's, that's, that's really all I have to say about them. You're so somber. Yeah, let's move on to Oakland. Yeah, so let's move on to Oakland. This may make you even more somber. The Beast is back, baby. Uh, luckily for him, He returned behind a great offensive line because he would not be back otherwise. 18 carries, 76 yards, one catch for 16 yards. A very solid showing against the top five rushing defensive unit. Um, 
And he even looked good on his own, uh, shaking off tackles and juking people. Um, he, he looked refreshed, you know, travel through, travel the world and maybe come back a better man or something. Uh, he should easily have a running back one week against the Jets. Richard and Washington are still splitting backup duties very similarly to the way they did it last year uh, with Olawale out of the picture, of course. But I think it'll be very interesting to see if either gets a significantly larger look if this Oakland offense puts the Jets away handily in the first half here um maybe take lynch out of the game give these young guys a little more run yeah that may tell you who may be the guy if lynch goes down or something like that uh amari cooper five catches on 13 targets 60 yards and a touchdown crabtree six catches on seven targets 83 yards no touchdown both very talented both are each a wide receiver one and a high-end wide receiver two for the season's duration in this very high octane offense seth roberts one catch one target 19 yards and a touchdown. I mentioned this guy only for future reference. He's not a stud wide receiver, but he's very sure handed. He always seems to have a touchdown in a big spot where one's needed. He's had five touchdowns in each of the last two years, which that's called consistency in any matchups where Oakland faces a top corner on Cooper. I think he has a good chance at getting a touchdown. Definitely worth keeping in your head as a daily league sort of guy. Not this week against the jets or anything like that. Um, here if to bring in the tight end, if you're doing that tight end streaming option, Jared cook, I think is look worth here. Five catches, 56 yards here during this game today or yesterday. And now hosting the jets who just allowed 53 yards and a touchdown to Charles clay. Cook is also, of course, a good bet to drop wide open touchdowns in the red zone. So there's, there's that, but he is my top tight end streamer for this week. Yeah, um, you covered Oakland pretty well. Uh, I just have a couple quick notes to add about Lynch and Cooper here. Um, so Amari Cooper caught a ball on the five-yard line or so and got pushed into the end zone, kind of like what happened with LeGarrette Blunt against Pittsburgh in that AFC Championship game last year. Because he's a stud. <laughs> yeah, uh, so obviously had that not happened, I think Lynch would have gotten the call on the next play there. Um, but that said, I, I do like him. I think Lynch is going to be a mid-level RB1 this week and really a, a low-end RB1 going forward. Um, the only real question with him, with him excuse me, is health and whether Lynch's body is going to hold up for an entire season here. And then as for Amari Cooper, I've gone on record before that I think he's a very good wide receiver, but I think he's overrated. I, I think Oakland clearly wants to involve him more in the red zone this year. Um, they targeted him three straight times on one drive, but... The question is, should they? I mean, he dropped a ball on that first target in near the goal line, and then he had two others where he failed to make contested catches. I mean, sh I think they should have just given it to Marshawn Lynch. He's seen enough people throwing at the goal line uh, and not giving him the ball. And I think, you know, Amari Cooper is a fine wide receiver too in fantasy with upside on some big plays, but... I'm just not there where I'm ready to anoint him as a future elite wide receiver one, as many seem to think that he will be. So you're trying to tell me that you think not handing it to Marshawn Lynch at the goal line is a mistake that a team might make. <laughs> yeah. You know, I, I feel like it's <laughs> happened before uh, in, in some, in some situations and with maybe some regrets. So I don't know. Um, I like it. The last fantasy note here is uh, Oakland defense. Nice streaming option against the Jets this week. Yeah, absolutely. How could it not be? Yeah. Give me Oakland here.
give me the Oakland Raiders by 20 points. <laughs> um, all right. Next game here is going to be Dallas at Denver. Uh, the Cowboys look really good. Uh, last night, Prescott had a nice, nice night against a solid Giants defense, and he should be a high-end QB2 on the road against Denver. Uh, don't love him there, but I think he'll be all right. Um, you're starting Zeke if you got him, but... I would fade Des Bryant against a very, very good Denver secondary. Norris Jenkins already did a good job of shutting him down for most of the game last night, and I'm not expecting a big game in week two either. He's just a low-end wide receiver too, or even just a flex play for me this week. Um, really don't love Bryant uh, against Denver. And then Beasley is going to be that wide receiver four with some big PPR weeks, and like you said, uh, as you stream Jason Witten in a league, he may just shock everyone and be a low-end tight end one again in PPR this season. Uh, he's clearly Dak's safety valve, and he's going to be, you know, my number one tight end in wa- uh, tight end waiver wire ad if he's not owned. Uh, he's only owned in 61% of Yahoo leagues. This is this is a tasty. No, it's not tasty. This is a delectable, delicious matchup for Ezekiel Elliott owners. I think people forget just how bad Denver's run defense is because they're touted as such a good defense, which they are, but not against running backs. Uh, I don't like the Dallas wide receivers this week, like you touched on. Dez is maybe a wide receiver too, and this is purely based on name recognition. Um, Dak really shows a better per chance of spreading the ball around. I think Dez was overdrafted again this year, but hey, what have you. Um, Despite Terrence Williams, six catches, 68 yards, you're not going to find me saying any good things about him. I cannot afford him any uh, any compliments. Um, I I do sort of disagree on Witten. I don't think he's must-own. He was in a very good matchup. Um, Witten has owned the Giants his entire career. He has 150-plus catches against the Giants, which puts him at, like, I think fifth on the list of people with most catches against one team. He won't do this in Denver. Uh, I'm looking to other streaming tight ends this week, which I alluded to and we'll touch on later. Um, so final just, note, uh, just sorry, to, go ahead. No, I was going to say to interrupt here for a second in this um, Saints Vikings game, Kobe Fleener has been making some contested catches in traffic all night, and he just had a really nice touchdown with, you know, the defender draped all over him. He might be an interesting tight end this year. He's had the talent, that's for sure. And, and this this next week will would be nice against a banged up uh, New England defense. You know, that this may be the week that he establishes some consistent value. Yeah, we'll see. Because p- part of the knock last year was he struggled to establish that rapport with Breeze. So we'll see if that's changed after an entire season and offseason. I mean, one of his main problems that he stated himself was that he didn't understand the playbook. That's a pretty big problem. But Sean, Sean, uh, oh my gosh, Sean Payton didn't cut him. So I guess he had plenty of time to figure it out. Yeah. And then, sorry, I also did want to say something about Zeke too. I think it's a good point on your, on your part, but also remember that Dallas went to Seattle last week and still ran it down their throat. So yes, I'm not worried about Zeke at all. No, not never. Uh, it's also increasingly likely. I'm sure you've all heard this, uh, that Zeke plays all games this season. It's not locked in, but it is very likely barring injury. So congrats to those of you who took a gamble on him. Yep. Um, and then on the Denver side here, uh, the Dallas defense looked much better last night, but, uh, two things. One, um, the giants offense was without Odell Beckham. So they will be seeing Demarius Thomas and Emmanuel Sanders, both very good wide receivers. This week, we'll see uh, how they hold up uh, against that test. And the number two, uh, one of their top cornerbacks, Orlando Skandrick, broke his hand last night. So 
that's certainly going to help out Trevor Simeon. I think he's a high-end QB2 here with upside. And, uh, you know, we'll see how the running back snaps kind of shake out tonight against uh, the Chargers. But I expect C.J. Anderson to be the lead back and probably a pretty decent mid-end RB2. Um, Demarius should be a fine low-end wide receiver one. And then I think Sanders will be a fine low-end wide receiver two also. Um, that's that's about it for Denver. I don't know if I'm touching any of the other pass catchers there. No, tonight we learn what Paxton Lynch brings to the table and whether it's time to abandon ship on this Denver offense for me. Uh, there, there's too many question marks for me to add much analysis. Uh, pay attention to Will, CJ, and JC, what they have to offer, what the split will be. Is DT's hamstring holding up? And can this offense continue to support two wide receivers? We will see. You mean uh, you mean Trevor Sivian, right? Paxton Lynch is still hurt. With yeah. That, uh, whatever injury it was. Yes, that that's the one. Okay. Um, I, I think Dallas is going to shock people. I, I, I will take Dallas. I don't think Dallas is going to shock people. At least not me. I think Dallas should win this game fairly handily. Really? Okay. Huh. I, I really do. I, I I don't. I think this is a bad matchup for Denver. All right. Well, I, I'm glad we both have uh, the Cowboys. Maybe we need to put put some uh, money down with Vegas. Are they not? Are they? Are they uh, dogs? Um, I don't know. I don't think it's come out yet. We'll see. Okay. We'll take a look. But I, I guess my initial thought was that Denver would be favored. But certainly, we'll see what Vegas has to say on the matter. I hate Denver's offense. I I want no part of them. Okay. Um. All right. Let's move on to the next game. Then we've got Washington at the Rams. Um. Yeah, tough, tough day for your boy, Kirk Cousins, huh? Uh, Captain Kirk in Washington lost a tough game versus Philadelphia, but this offense is too good to hold down, too good not to start to gel together. Hopefully this is the game. Kirk looked off target on some passes to Terrell Pryor, but he's new to the team. I expect this to improve as the season goes on, and Pryor was very heavily targeted. He's going to be leaned on six catches on 11 targets for 66 yards. He is a very high upside weapon this year. The sky is really the limit. They're forcing the ball to him. They're forcing the ball to him in high leverage situations. They're forcing the ball to him on deep throws downfield. And Kirk Cousins is one of the most consistent, one of the most accurate quarterbacks on deep throws. So once he figures out, figures out the connection in real NFL uh, game time speed, everything will be fine. More surprising for me was Crowder's poor day with just three catches on for seven uh, on seven targets for 14 yards. And then uh, Reed, despite fighting through a broken toe, looked good in his routes. Five catches, 36 yards. Monitor his injury. But if he plays, he's, of course, a fantasy starter for you Um, this week. uh, Terrell's a high end wide receiver two. Crowder's a flex reads a tight end. Number one for me, Uh, not number one, but a tight end one top 10 tight end. Uh, The running game was even more troubled with Kelly 10 carries for 30 yards. Thompson added four catches for five uh, for 52 yards and a score. Kelly is really worrying me. I own no shares of him and Thompson has always had that type of 15 point upside, but because of the other weapons on the field, uh, given Reed prior, the other guys that can score touchdowns with much more efficiency. I like him the least of the PPR relevant running backs. Maybe that's just a personal thing, but, but I really prefer to go to guys like Bernard or Vereen, um, Riddick, of course, uh, before looking to, uh, Chris Thompson. Yeah, I mean, honestly, this Redskins offensive line looks like it's got a lot of issues, and going to the Rams isn't going to help, especially um, we're hearing that Aaron Donald is likely going to be playing Week 2. 
Um, that's going to cause a lot of issues for Kirk Cousins. He's really just a mid, mid-end QB2 for me this week, um, especially given his struggles in the red zone this past week. Um, like I said, uh, or like you said, I mean, uh, I think Pryor will be okay as a low-end wide receiver too. He's getting a ton of targets, but I don't expect a, a huge ceiling from him this week. Uh, Crowder similarly should bounce back a little bit. The Rams give up a bit more over the middle of the field than on the outside, but he's just a flex play. And Jordan Reed really does not look good with that fractured toe. Um, that's why I dropped him in my preseason ranks to a mid to low end tight end one. I'm just super nervous about him. Um, if you own him, you're you're starting him, but I can't imagine him having a huge game here. I, I'd agree that you know both running backs are, are not great plays, but I do prefer Thompson as well in PPR, especially in this matchup. On this uh, on this L.A. side of the field, the Hollywood boys, I, I don't really know what to make of Jared Goff just yet. He is much improved, uh, improved looking from last year. He was just terrible. Um, yesterday, he amassed 300 yards and a touchdown, but it was against a very, very bad defense. Either way, it's a significant improvement. Washington is not a great defense, but they do a decent job of limiting the top option. For that reason, I think Cup is a very solid PPR flex play. Uh, he led the team with four catches on six looks for 76 yards and a touchdown and looked very impressive with his hands. I mean, there's a reason that he was the most uh, productive player in college history. Watkins went five catches on five targets for 58 yards and looked like actually a good fit in this offense. I, I think he was undervalued heading into drafts by you know myself as well as others, which is understandable. It's still the Rams. I would hold off on him if possible this week versus Josh Norman, though, definitely. Uh, if the Rams weren't destroying the Colts, Gurley would have gotten more than 19 carries for 40 yards and a touchdown. Uh, but the entire run game did have trouble averaging just a little over two yards per carry. Still Gurley will be a running back one or two every single week this year. Yeah. Uh, you know, that offensive line didn't look great even against a struggling Colts defense, but uh, I think it was very notable that Gurley was heavily involved in the passing game for that reason. I think he's a high end RB two this season. Uh, you know, that's going to help him a ton in PPR, whereas he lost a lot of that to Benny Cunningham last year. Um, and then, yeah, Jared Goff had a decent week. I started him in some DraftKings lineups, but clearly still learning the ropes and just a QB two with upside and fantasy. Uh, but you know, like you said, I like Cooper cup a lot in the slot. Um, both he and Nelson Aguilar were guys that surprised and found success this week. Um, and similarly with Nelson Aguilar and Zach Ertz finding success in the middle of the field, I think Cooper cup is a very high end flex play with ceiling this, this week. Um, I think he could even be a low end wide receiver too in PPR. Um, Watkins is more of that boom bust flex play, but I don't love him this week outside seeing a decent amount of Josh Norman. We saw Ashan Jeffrey really get shut down last week. And then, uh, you know, the other wide receivers aren't really startable in, in fantasy. You're not starting Tavon Austin, but, um, you know, them and the tight ends with Gerald Everett. Uh, I, I just don't see anybody outside of Cup and Watkins who are going to be fantasy relevant here. Although I do, uh, again, love the Rams defense this week against a struggling Washington offense. I uh, I like Washington to maybe gel a little more, and I will take Washington this week. But this is uh, this is my shakiest pick, I think. Yeah, I, I actually I'm on the opposite side of the fence here. I'll, I'll take the Rams. Uh, keep keep rolling at home against uh, you know against some weak offensive lines. All right. 
Next game uh, <laughs> will be uh, an interesting matchup. San Francisco at Seattle. Uh, I don't think we need to spend a ton of time on San Francisco. Uh, I'm going to pass on all of the Niners players in fantasy this week. Um, I'm not sure if, if all you people listening out there uh, saw what Seattle did to Green Bay's offense, but uh, if, you know Rodgers and company eventually found some success, but I want nothing to do with San Francisco playing at Seattle against an angry Seattle defense. Um, Carlos Hyde is going to be just a very low-end flex play for me this week. Garcon's a desperation wide receiver for in PPR. Um, the one thing I'll mention is that George Kittle did look very involved in the offense. Is certainly an interesting guy to stash in Dynasty, but I don't think he's anything more than a boomer bust tight end two yet in redraft. San Francisco, I, I expect continued growth and improvement of the of this offense, but that doesn't mean that I want to be any part of it myself. This is why I avoided Hyde in all drafts, despite him being a workhorse locked in running back one. He did add six catches, um, wh- which is a nice bonus, but he's really just a flex option for me, which is not the way that he was drafted in really any leagues. Um, Hoyer and Kittle may be decent weekly fill-ins at some point, but this is not that point. Uh, Garcon, like you alluded to, six catches on 10 targets for 81 yards. Goodwin just three for 21. Um, Flex, Garcon, keep Goodwin in mind for the future, not necessarily on your team, but in your free agency pool. Uh, The future is not today for the Niners. Yeah, here's a bold prediction. Uh, I think in 2019, Kirk Cousins leads the San Francisco 49ers to an NFC West championship. Wow. That, uh, that, there's something I can get behind. That sounds really fun. Yeah, but uh, not this year. I'm not touching. No, no, no. Um, Today is not that day. Yeah. Over onto the Seattle side of the ball here. Uh, That was a rough game for Green Bay uh, or in Green Bay for the Seattle offense. Um, Russell Wilson always kind of starts off the year slow, but part of it too, the Green Bay defense improved a lot this offseason, but man, that Seahawks offensive line is just brutal. You're you're starting Russell Wilson this week as a solid QB one in fantasy against San Francisco, but I'm tempering overall, excuse me, overall expectations for him a little bit on the season. And similarly, I'm I'm not very optimistic about any of the Seattle running backs for fantasy. Chris Carson dominated the snaps here. He played 47 snaps, uh, ProSize 15, and Eddie Lacy just seven, but Really, I think Thomas Rawls is going to cut into Carson's snaps when he comes back healthy. And really, there's just no room to run behind that offensive line. I I think I'm passing on all these running backs. Uh, I'd trade them for anything you can get at this point. Um, I know you're you're selling low, but I I don't see much uh, upside here. Um, And then, you know, that being said, I think the passing game will get better. Doug Baldwin should be a a decent high-end wide receiver too this week. Um, Paul Richardson showed showed a, a few flashes, and he's always had the talent if he can stay healthy. Um, I think he's a high upside wide receiver four uh, in PPR, especially this week against San Francisco. And then I'll come back to Jimmy Graham. He should be a, a low-end tight end one here. Um, Cam Newton missed a lot of opportunities in that blowout last week, and I, I expect Jimmy Graham to capitalize on some of those. Not to change the subject, but is Rex Ryan calling this game tonight? I I don't know if he's calling it or if he's just, uh, you know, doing a segment before the game, but. Oh my gosh. I hope so badly that, that, (laughs) that 
you know, Rex Ryan stays a foot of the situation here. That would be uh, that would be very interesting for sure. Get, gets a little run in on the broadcasting booth. That would be uh, that would be great. <laughs> um, back to back to Seattle. Um, I, I think this is the perfect week for Seattle to find their way. Green Bay is always tough, and these Green Bay Seattle matchups always seem a little extra tough. They always seem very chippy. Um, they've got a couple players on both of their teams that aren't necessarily what I would consider class acts that make things a little angrier on both sides of the ball, but Hey, that's football. I love it. It's fun to watch. That's for sure. Um, San Francisco will be a good opportunity to implement their offense. I I really think Eddie Lacy's done. He's definitely not startable. And I think he's going to find his way off this team sooner than later. Um, For now, while Rawls is limited, I, I actually do like Chris Carson as a possible flex this week. If Rawls isn't playing now, there's reports that, that, Rawls may end up playing this week. So, so that sort of makes that all moot. Um, but if, if he doesn't and Seattle can get up quickly on San Francisco, they may try and figure out what they have in this rookie Carson. And if he does well, you may have just found yourself an every week running back too. If not, what did it cost you? Your, your, your 14th draft pick or something. Hopefully you didn't draft any of these guys uh, very highly in your drafts. That said uh, Baldwin's of course, a low end wide receiver one, always Graham. We like, uh, I'm not trusting Richardson just yet until he strings another game or two of five plus targets in because Tyler Lockett can come in and make him disappear at any given time. Um, I'm sorry. I'm not going to lie to you here. I just completely zoned out while you were talking right now. I'm going, oh, I'm going to, uh, I'm going to trust that what you said was somewhat coherent and, and we'll move on to the prediction for this game. Ouch. <laughs> um, I'm going to take Seattle at home. Yeah, give me Seattle. Sorry, it's been a long Monday. Twelfth man. Um, all right. Uh next game should be or twelve really, or whatever really they say. Good. What do they say? Just twelve? They just uh, say a number? No, it's twelfth man. Okay. Um yeah, but uh the Sunday night game should be really, really good. Um Green Bay at Atlanta. Obviously they met in the playoffs last year and, and Atlanta blew them out, but I expect a much closer game. This week, uh, I don't need to tell you to start Aaron Rodgers. Um, more importantly, though, we saw that Mike McCarthy is willing to use Ty Montgomery as a workhorse type of running back. I have Montgomery as a mid to low end RB1 this week against Atlanta. Um, he played 74 snaps last week against Seattle uh, versus Jamal Williams as six snaps played. Obviously, if you drafted him, you like this kind of workload, but man, I'm nervous. I would still either roster Jamal Williams or at least keep him on the watch list. I'm just not sure if Montgomery can hold up under this kind of workload. Um, We saw that he had some issues coming back from nagging injuries last year, partly due to sickle cell trait. And I just don't know if he's going to hold up for the entire season if they keep throwing him out there like this. Um, Jordy Nelson, obviously you're starting him as a high-end wide receiver one. And I think Devontae Adams and Randall Cobb are both flex plays or wide receiver threes with upside. Again, I see this as kind of a shootout type of game. Um, And Randall Cobb dominated in week one with nine catches for 85 yards against Seattle. But a lot of that was due to blanketed coverage on Jordy and Devontae Adams on the outside. And then a few of those catches were uh, from Cobb were, you know, kind of picking on Shaquille Griffin, the rookie cornerback, after Jeremy Lane got ejected from that game. Um, I do like Cobb this year, but I wouldn't expect his week one numbers to be the norm. 
Yeah, this is this is why uh, Cobb and Adams's uh, draft slot difference was a complete joke to me. Adams going two to three uh, rounds ahead of Randall Cobb. They're they're the same player. They have the same numbers. It's just a matter of which week it is going to have uh, going to be bigger for which of them. Yeah, and what do you think about Martellus Bennett? Um, that was the one other thing I wanted to talk about. Green Bay. I think he's a low end tight end one against Atlanta, but. His his usage might be a little bit less consistent than we originally thought. I I don't like Martellus Bennett. I don't like the tight ends on Green Bay. Uh, they they tried year after year to get a tight end to catch on, and Aaron Rodgers has not utilized them the way that you would expect him to. So I, he's going to be a tight end too for me basically every week. Okay, um, I could definitely see that. Um, and then on the Atlanta side of the ball here, Matt Ryan looked a little shaky week one. I mean, his stats ended up fine, but the Bears defense rattled him a lot more than I expected to. I think losing Kyle Shanahan is going to have a bigger impact than we thought on this Falcons offense. Um, true, the, the Packers defense looked a much improved from last year, but... Um, I think Ryan is just a low-end QB1 for me this week, even at home in their shiny new stadium with no Chick-fil-A. You know, you're starting Devontae Freeman, but I have him downgraded a bit to a low-end RB1. We saw a lot more of Tevin Coleman than I expected. Um, You know, he's still a boom-bust flex option here. And for me, as a Julio Jones owner in multiple leagues, it's a little concerning how few times he got targeted um, we saw him talking to Steve Sarkeesian uh, on the sideline a little bit, uh, asking for the ball. And even though the Bears did a good job of taking him away a little bit, you got to remember that Julio is always open, even when he's covered. I think Matt Ryan needs to get him the ball more if they want to get this offense going. Um, he's still a high-end wide receiver one, and I'm going to write off week one as a fluke for now, but I- I'm hoping they get him more involved in this offense because... To me, Sanu and Gabriel are both just kind of matchup dependent guys that, uh, you know, are going to be wide receiver fours in fantasy, you know, behind Julio. And of course, Austin Hooper had that ginormous day on on those blown coverages, but he otherwise wasn't targeted. I I think he's still just a tight end two for fantasy until we see more consistent targets for him. I would, you know, my recommendation is I would try to package him and a good right. Uh, wide receiver or running back for a guy like Gronk or Kelsey if either of those owners are a little disappointed after week one. I think that's a good idea. I, I think Jones will write the ship. Um, this team didn't show up for, for Chicago despite winning. Maybe this is a true Super Bowl hangover, but I, I think the ship will get righted. Give him a mulligan. Uh, call Freeman a one or a two. Regardless, you're not going to sit him. I, I do really like Austin Hooper as a player, as I am as I take it that you do. But in this offense, he's, he's just a matchup dependent play. He really should be getting more targets considering that they're trying to get most of new worked into the game. Um, I'm finding another option this week than him. Yeah, um, I would agree, and I will take Green Bay. I think they have a little bit of a revenge narrative here, and I think they've improved a lot. I will take Green Bay on the road. Yeah, I take Green Bay, unfortunately. All right. um, Finally, we have the Monday night game, Detroit Lions at the New York Giants. All right. Uh, Well, Detroit employed a committee on the ground who combined for 22 carries and 51 yards. Nice. 
Amir Abdullah added three catches for 11 yards. Uh, Riddick added six catches, 27 yards and a touchdown. The Giants are very tough defense as well, and I don't like either of them as uh, more than a PPR flex. Abdullah's getting the higher leverage carries, but they're really limiting him uh, with Dwayne Washington get 25% of the carries. I expect them to continue to try and move the ball through the air more than on the ground. They seem to have a lot more success doing so and have for the past few years. Uh, Golden Tate. 10 catches, 107 yards. If he's healthy, if his finger holds up, he's a high-end PPR wide receiver, too, this week. Um, Jones hasn't shown a recent workload worthy of starting at the end of last year, start of this year. And Ebron is no better to me than a bi-week or streaming tight end. And he is not whatsoever until he shows a better connection with Matt Stafford. He's always had anemic touchdown numbers. And this last game, he had two catches on three targets for nine total yards. Uh, not, 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 Not stirring up any excitement for me. Yeah, and I think this will be a tough matchup, but I still like Matthew Stafford as a low-end QB1 or high-end QB2. I just wouldn't expect huge numbers. And Amir Abdullah was another guy we discussed in the preseason that I thought was way overrated, and he gets another touch, tough matchup this week at the Giants. Uh, I just think he's a an unexciting low-end flex or, or RB3 option. Um, you know, I agree Golden Tate's going to be the most reliable option in this passing game. Should be a decent PPR wide receiver, too. Um, and I really like Kenny Galladay. You know, Marvin Jones and Eric Ebron have both been disappointing. I think Galladay is suddenly their best red zone threat at wide receiver. Yeah, I'm not selling the farm to for him just yet. Um, he had two nice catches, but uh, he's definitely worth monitoring. Yeah, and how about the uh, Giants side of the ball here? Their offense looked well, pretty dismal last night, too. Yeah, Eli and company looked bad, like really bad. Uh, 220 yards, one interception, bad. Three points in 60 minutes of football, bad. Running backs combining for 30 yards, rushing, bad. Only one receiver, only 50 yards, bad. And his name was Roger Lewis. Brandon Marshall went one catch, four targets for 10 yards. And I would really avoid these guys if possible until Odell Beckham is back. They eliminated Marshall and he was barely targeted. Uh, that was a great game plan. Um, the, the running backs are ineffective and the defense can take them away. Uh, or, sorry, due to the running backs ineffectiveness, the defense can really focus on taking away the pass game. Uh, the only bright spot from a fantasy standpoint is Shane Vereen, who managed to hold uh, flex PPR value, nine catches on 10 targets, 51 yards. Not great, but certainly serviceable. Uh, not every week will be this bad. And Detroit just allowed nine uh, nine catches to uh, for 105 yards to Arizona running back. So Shane Vereen may be the only guy to look to again this week. Yeah, I mean they just looked brutal without Beckham last night, and I, I think this is why you know we kind of underrate sometimes the effect that superstars like Andrew Luck and Odell Beckham have, you know, on the rest of the team. Without them, it's things kind of just fall apart quickly. Um, and Detroit's pass rush looks pretty good week one against Arizona, too. I, I think this is going to be a pretty back-and-forth game. And again, I'm, I'm actually picking Detroit. Um, I think uh, Odell Beckham is going to be out again or very limited with that high ankle sprain. Uh, it's going to take another week or two at least for him to really get right. And, uh, you know, Shane Vereen, I think he's going to be the running back to monitor here as a flex play in PPR. And... I don't know, Brandon Marshall and, and uh, Carson Palmer and Eli Manning and all these guys, I, it looks like father time is just catching up to them. We'll see. It's only been one week, so 
I'm not going to write them off just yet, but if, if they struggle again this week, I, I think it might be time to, to stick a pin in it. I'm going to give Brandon Marshall a little longer leash. I want to see him be unsuccessful with Odell Beckham back on the field. All right. So, uh, uh, that's true. I guess if he can't, if he can do it with Odell Beckham drawing more, more coverage, I suppose he can still be certainly a wide receiver three or flex play, but I don't, I don't think he's going to be um, a wide receiver two or better this year. Yeah. Uh, a lot of people's pick for uh, NFC East this year. Um, not winning this game. Give me Detroit. Yeah, give me Detroit. And I, I honestly don't know if they're, you know, the the favorite for the NFC East. Dallas looks really, really good. I I like the Eagles better than them right now. Oh, then uh, New York, not Dallas. D- no, not better than Dallas. Gotcha. Okay. No. Yeah, no, I just misinterpreted that for half a second, and I was I thought you were going for a hot take there. <laughs> no, 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 no way. No, no hot take city population lows. No way. Gotcha. Well, that is going to do it for the game-by-game previews here. We don't have any teams on by just yet this early in the season, so we don't have to worry about that. Um, And then also Tampa Bay and Miami will be playing this week, so you can fire up all of those players. Um, Just to quickly recap some of these injuries here, David Johnson with that wrist uh, issue, dislocated wrist, I think it was, um, likely out 10 to 12 weeks, uh, placed on IR, does not look good. Danny Woodhead uh, aggravated that preseason hamstring strain that he was playing through, um, likely out four to six weeks is the estimate right now. Um, Allen Robinson, torn ACL, he's done for the season. Brutal, given that it's a contract year for him. Um, you know, I'm, I'm sure he's not on the best terms with Blake Portals right now. And then Kevin White's uh, broken bone in the shoulder out at least eight weeks. Uh, but, I mean, honestly, you're not holding on to him. Even with an IR spot, I, I would imagine there are better options out there. Um, Tyreek Hill with cramps, he should be fine with an extra couple days of rest following that Thursday night game. And then we'll see on Danny Amendola's concussion issue. Uh, he has had concussions before, so he may or may not be ready for week two. You want to uh, highlight a few of the guys sitting on the waiver wire for us? Uh, why don't you kick it off here? Sure. Uh, started off at quarterback Deshaun Kaiser, who we both highlighted as a guy who may have that uh, char- um, that uh, Tyrod Taylor-esque uh, floor value just from his rushing numbers. I wouldn't start him this week versus Baltimore, but he does get Indianapolis if three weeks in uh, through in week three if you're streaming quarterbacks. He's only ten percent owned right now. Yeah, and then in terms of running backs, you've got Tariq Cohen. He's only owned in 14% of leagues. Uh, by the way, the ownership percentages we're going to be talking about are Yahoo here because that's just uh, we just happen to play most of our leagues on Yahoo, but certainly it could be different on uh, you know different platforms depending on where you play your fantasy football. Um, but Tariq Cohen, only 14% owned. He should be a pretty good flex player, maybe even a low-end RB2 in PPR for the season. Um, Javorius Allen, only 2% owned, uh, taking over that Danny Woodhead role while he's out, um, certainly could pay dividends, especially if you're a, a Doug Martin owner or if, or if you're a David Johnson owner, you know, you, you could need these guys. Um, and speaking of David Johnson, Kerwin Williams, only 7% owned and Andre Ellington, only 1% owned. Um, that'll be a, a more of a committee in the backfield. I don't know that either of these guys is going to win your season for you, but certainly in deeper leagues or if you need help um, 
Wow, big, uh, big, nice run by Melvin Gordon there. I think, uh, like we said, it's going to spell good things for Ezekiel Elliott next week. That Denver defense, the run defense, not good. Um, and uh, the way you uh, listed those running backs, th- that would be the rank order that I would want those running backs added to my team. Um, as far as the wide receivers, uh, my top wide receiver for this week to add is Cooper Cup. Um, I totally whiffed on him in the preseason, never brought him up, never even thought about him. But it's because I thought Jared Goff was garbage. So that, I guess, makes two wrongs for me. And two wrongs make a right. And Cooper Cup is right for your team. Uh, Nelson Aguilar, uh, he's 27% owned in Yahoo leagues. Um, Kenny Galladay, 18% owned in leagues, right? Oh, no, sorry. Nelson Aguilar, 14% owned in leagues right now. We covered him. Um, he could get increased looks, but I do think, uh, against defenses that are a little better, they won't be having to key on Alshon with a singular, uh, cornerback and El- Aguilar's value may drop as the season progresses. Uh, Kenny Galladay had those two very nice catches um, starting just as a rookie Marvin Lewis or Marvin Jones, not showing up. Maybe Kenny Galladay is going to take that job. Who knows? And then Marquise Lee, of course, I, I is the next man up in Jacksonville. Unfortunate loss of Allen Robinson really stinks. Yep. And then, uh, you know, as we mentioned earlier with the tight ends, we've got Jason Witten, 66% owned. Uh, Certainly, I think he'll be a good streamer for the entire season. Um, And then Charles Clay, only 10% owned. He could be uh, a relatively consistent part of that Bills passing game that really doesn't have that many options at wide receiver. Sure. And for me, a little deeper in the tight end streamers, like I said, if you're employing a true tight end streaming sort of uh, sort of approach, if you're just looking to drop and play tight ends, which can be a very, very effective tactic. Uh, my top three this week is uh, Cook versus the New York Jets, as we touched on before. I like Brait versus Chicago. And then if you're feeling really lucky, maybe take a roll of the dice on Boyle versus Cleveland. Yeah, I don't feel that lucky. Um, no, for me, it's Cook number one, and then and then far distant are yeah. those two. Um, yeah, and then finally, some good uh, streaming defenses. Uh, Baltimore at home against Cleveland. They're only 47% owned in Yahoo leagues. Um, the Rams defense at home against Washington, 66% owned, but not, not high enough. Um, and then, of course, Oakland against the Jets at home, 34% owned. And then, like I said a bit earlier in the podcast, if for some reason the owner in your team drops the Chiefs defense after a poor showing against New England, uh, 100% need to be owned there. Yes, sir. All right. uh, That is going to wrap up our first preview podcast here for week two. Um, Good luck. As always, if you have more league or roster specific questions for you, uh, you can always reach us on Twitter. I am at FFA underscore Mung. That's M-E-N-G. And I'm at FFA underscore Los. If you want to reach our uh, podcast producer, Dan, go ahead and shoot him a line at, at FFA underscore Dan, D-A-N, Dan. And you can, of course, click the subscribe button if, if you have not done so already in the iTunes store so that everything automatically downloads to your device, uh, phone, tablet, any device you please. Uh, we are also available in the Google Play Store and on SoundCloud. Yeah, and guys and girls out there, just remember that Fantasy football is all about fun. Don't don't stress too much about waiver wire pickups or, or lineups uh, that you're setting. You know, I, I was a little stressed uh, on Sunday morning not having 
set multiple lineups in, in about a year, but uh, just remember at the end of the day, it'll all work out all right. Um, everything will be okay. Yeah, and everything will be more than okay if you follow our advice here on this podcast. Hopefully. we All we do is win. No matter what? No matter what. All right. Uh, and as always, it is a fantasy world, and we're all just addicts in it. Thanks, addicts. <laughs>